I do. I want us to really have our spirits in tune with what the Father's doing right now. Um, there's, there's something that he's wanting to release to us um, as a church, but I believe it, like I said earlier, I believe it hits us regionally. Um, and it'll be bigger than that. The thing is, here's what we have to be careful of, that we don't fall back on expecting something that we've seen before. That's where, that's where religion comes in. Because we start expecting something we've seen before and we start taking on an affectation of something that we've seen before because it's familiar. So this is connecting with you. We have to be very, very careful with this. I believe he's wanting to release something and it really has to do with the heart of the Father and a, a deeper revelation of the heart of the Father. So much so that I'm finding myself even speaking heart of the Father over people for healing on their physical body. We know it'll heal emotionally, right? But there's a heart of the Father that just, it, it speaks healing to the physical body. So I guess what I'm asking is for us all to be very, very careful as we're moving forward into the future that we don't get satisfied with yesterday's manna. Because yesterday's manna, when you save it, it turns to worms. It doesn't mean we don't take the things that God has done, where he's shown up and he's done things. We do take those things and we hold them very close and we hold them very dear. As a matter of fact, in Deuteronomy 6, we see the Lord telling them to, to keep the statutes and the commandments of God and even build memorials to it. Now, we want to do that. We want to have memorials. We want to have markers in our life that we can point to and say, this is where God showed up but we don't want to restrict ourselves. Proverbs says that you don't remove the ancient landmarks of your fathers, but at the same time, you don't let them determine your boundaries. You recognize what they are. Is this connecting with you guys? You recognize what they are, but you don't let them determine your boundaries. I believe, and I just, I'm, this is not a hype thing, this is coming from my very core, that there is something that God wants to release into this city, to this region, that is beyond what we've seen before. And we've seen a lot of things happen in this Orlando area, right? seen a lot of wonderful things happen. There's something beyond that. It's beyond that because you can't exhaust the multifaceted character and nature of God. It's impossible. Why do you think the angels stand there and cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty? And they do it without stopping. It's because every time he turns and every time he moves, they see another facet of who he is and it demands that they respond with holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Amen. We're the ones that put restrictions on who his character and nature is and how, how vast and how awesome he is. We're the ones that do that. We do that with our finite minds because we can't comprehend. We do it when we pray for things like peace. Lord, I want your peace. I want that peace that passes all understanding and then we try to figure out what it looks like. And therefore, you can't get it because it's a peace that passes all understanding. I'm just going to quickly refer to this. this. This is something we knew that we had planned on talking about um, as we've been going through this these last few weeks. But really what we're doing is we're coming into a new level of risk and faith. This is where we are. We're coming into a whole new level of risk and faith where we're not going to be able to hold on to what we've done before. We're coming into a completely new place. In other words, you may recall stepping out into a place of faith before in your life. That's good. Hold on to that. Never forget it. But what he's calling us to is something beyond that. 
It's the unknown. It's the unknown. We were talking about it this morning, even pray about it, and John even brought this up. We have to even be careful because offense will come. Because it will offend us because it's something that we don't know. We like it when God shows up in a way that we understand. Right? And if you don't believe me, just read through your New Testament. Who were the people that were upset when God showed up on the scene? It was the religious. They were the ones that were upset. The ones who just knew that they had deep need, they were the ones that got it. Hello. But what that means is, if we say, I want more, if we say, Lord, I'm willing to step out into a new place, if we say, I want my faith to come to a higher place and I'll step out in it, then be prepared. Chances are high. It will offend you when it comes. God oftentimes reveals, reveals the mind to reveal the heart, or he offends the mind to reveal the heart. If it offends your mind, just be prepared. He's revealing something in your heart. Are you guys okay with this? Because I didn't come here to play games. My wife didn't come here to play great games. We took a huge risk in moving here four years ago. A huge risk. You guys know some of the story about it. Lost everything in moving here. But it wasn't to play games, and it certainly wasn't to do pretty good church. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in health. I'm interested in the presence of God. I'm interested in the body of Christ coming to a place where we start to look like the body of Christ. Because what I've seen to date doesn't really work. God is wonderful, awesome, and his body should have some kind of correlation to that, and it doesn't at this point. And I want to see it have more. There's a place of risk and faith that we're being called to. Turn real quick to Matthew chapter, chapter 8. I'm just going to run through this real quick. I'm sorry, Mark chapter 8. I'm talking, but don't check out. I'm kind of joking, but I'm not. I'm talking, but don't check out. Don't expect a message right here. number of years ago when we, we have seen on a number of different occasions God show up and do some pretty crazy miraculous things. So much so that it's changed the course of our life on how we've approached living. And again, I hold on to those things and I hold on to them very dear but I'm not longing for the good old days at the same time. I'm longing for something more because what I caught in all of that was not just the manifestation in the natural, I caught a glimpse of his heart. And I am not going to restrict him to looking a certain way because that's what I've seen him do. Is this making sense? I want more than that. I want more than that. If anything, whenever you see God show up and do a miraculous sign or wonder in your life, if you ever hear about it, if you ever see it, experience it, if anything happens, hold on to it, but never ever forget the main thing is he's trying to reveal to you who he is. That's what he's trying to reveal. It's not just about what he does. That's so important, but it's more about who he is. And when we understand that, whenever he shows up and does something wonderful, miraculous, off the chart, supernatural kind of thing, we lose the right to see it any other way. We lose that right. We see that now, oh, there is something supernatural. There is something about the father heart of God, his nature and his character, that when it comes, I'm catching something here And it has a manifestation in the natural that looks supernatural, but it's not about that. It's about him. Hello. 
I'm not making this too confusing, am I? No. Okay. Matthew, Mark chapter 8. I love Matthew 8. It's good, but I keep wanting you to turn there, but we're not. Mark chapter 8. A number of years ago when we saw something happen, I heard a guy named Bill Johnson speak on this. And it was so revolutionary to me. I keep coming back to it. I think I've even spoken on this a couple of times since we've been here. So if you've heard it before, deal with it. Um, but it's important that we come back to it. And the reason why we come back to it is because repetition is the price of knowledge. If we don't come back to these things, we forget. And if we forget, then we go back to doing what we did before. Right? If we forget what God has done, we go back to doing what we've done before. Anybody guilty of doing that? Don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> I just set you up there. Sorry. Why do we end up going back to doing things that we've done before when we know that those aren't very good things? Number one, it's because we know the way. It's a well-worn path. It's easy to get there. Number two, we forget about what we've seen before. Why would you go back to something if you had in front of your face the thing that you know about the character and nature of God? Why would you ever go back? You wouldn't. It's because we lose track of it. Here, Mark chapter 8, beginning in verse 13. Interesting, interesting passage here. And he left them, getting into the boat again, departing to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Then he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said to him, 12. Also, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large basket full, baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said to them, seven. And he said to them, how is it you do not understand? You see what's happening here. He does this miraculous work, says to them, beware of the leaven of, the, uh, of Herod and of the Pharisees, and they start to reason it's because we have no bread. What is that? It's a reduction of the supernatural back down into the natural. In other words, they saw something supernatural happen, and they revert back to a natural way of thinking. You guys know that it's so important, and it's a core value of who we are, definitely of who I am, of Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beg you by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice for this is your reasonable act of worship. And do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewed mind is critically important to how we walk this thing out, specifically how we walk out risk and faith in life. Because the renewed mind says, I saw something that was heaven. I saw something that came from heaven, and it revealed to me part of the nature and character of God. And now that I've gotten that, it's illegal for me to go back and think of it any other way. Has anybody in here ever seen God miraculously show up in finances? Let me see your hand. Miraculously showed up in your finances. Okay, now, from now on, it's illegal for you to think about God not providing at all. It's wrong. You can't go back there. Why? Because the renewed mind says, I saw him show up. I know he's provider. In the Old Testament, when all the names of God were given, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Sidkenu, all these names of God that were given to him, they weren't given in hopes that he would do something. They were given to him because they saw him do it. 
We have reduced a lot of the nature and character of God down to things that we hope for something in order to get comfort instead of moving us into a place of declaration. And without faith, anything that is a declaration, when it's not in faith, it reduces it down to a petition. And so instead of saying, this is what God does, we start saying, God, will you do this? But we've known and we've seen him do this. And so we say, this is what God does. That's faith. That's a place of risk. Now, I think what God is calling us to is something even beyond that. I'm all about taking the word of God, holding on to it, and making declarations. But man, there's a deeper level to this thing. I want to see the dead raised. I'm serious. Why do we, why do we settle for less than that? I'm not trying to hype you up in here, guys. I'm just simply saying we have a command from our Savior that says go make disciples, and we think that's within reach. But in that same command, he says, go into all the world, preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, right? It's what we determine to be more reachable, I guess, that we'll settle with that one. Well, it's easy to make disciples. We'll make disciples. Let me tell you, I, don't th- I think the reason why we have such a weak and anemic church is because we're not making disciples. We're making disciples based on what we think is what we can accomplish. A true disciple simply says, I heal the sick. I raise the dead. I cast out demons. That's a disciple. Maybe we just haven't reached this thing of making disciples yet. But to get to that point, guys, it's not about hyping ourselves up with something. It's not about that at all. It's about simply coming back into agreement with him, his word, and saying, this is going to require more of me than I thought. This is going to require a little more faith. He says to them, verse 15, take heed, beware of the leaven of Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. What is that? The leaven of Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. The leaven of the Pharisees is a religious spirit. That's what it is. Leaven is like yeast, right? Everybody knows what that is. Leaven, you put it into something and it, and it works its way through and it just permeates everything. You need that when you're making bread. But leaven is also equated to sin in scripture. So he says, beware of the leaven Beware of that missing the mark, if you would, of, of, of the Pharisees. Why? It's a religious spirit. What is a religious spirit? A religious spirit is one that gets offended when God shows up on the scene. I'm not kidding. Look at the New Testament. It's filled with it. God incarnate. The word became flesh and dwelt, tabernacled, became flesh. It looked like us. It came, became flesh and dwelt among us. And every religious person on the scene, with the exception of a few who had their hearts softened, got offended at it. We got more religion in us than we think. We got a lot of superstition in us. We got a lot of it in us. What's superstition? Superstition is like still holding on to something that God did and thinking he's going to do it the same way. I love the fact that Jesus, when he healed people, he didn't do it the same way. I love that. Even later on in his passage here, he takes one guy out. You know, usually he would just speak to somebody's eyes and say, be open. A little bit later in this passage, you can read it when you leave, but it says, he took him around a corner and he spit in his face. Gentle Jesus? Yeah, it says that. He spit in his eyes. And he put his hands on him. And then he removed him and said, do you see? And he goes, I see people kind of like trees. Which is really weird because the dude was blind and it makes me wonder, how did he know what trees look like? I don't know, just things I think about. He said, I see men, but they're kind of like trees. And so he puts his hand on there again and then it's completely healed and he sees them clearly. 
I like that about Jesus, that he never did it the same way twice. And the reason why is because we in our normal humanity, we like to take Christianity, reduce it down to principles and programs and formulas, and then say, this is how you're supposed to heal people. That's religion. And then when somebody comes along and God shows up and does something different, we get offended because that's not the way it's supposed to be done, right? So he says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. But he also says, beware of the leaven of Herod. I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time talking. Beware of the leaven of Herod. What's that all about? It's all about that humanistic spirit. It's all about a political spirit. It's political and it's humanistic. We have to be careful of that. What's humanistic spirit? Um, Well, getting on a bandwagon for social justice. Don't hear me wrong. I'm all about social justice, but but pay attention. Getting on a bandwagon for social justice that doesn't have the gospel in it. Someone equated it to this one time, and they said to me like this, they said, social justice, if you just jump on the bandwagon of social justice and the gospel of making disciples, healing the sick, raising the dead is not inside of that, it's like going to a hungry man and taking him a pie, but you're not really taking him a pie, you're taking him baking soda. Is baking soda in a pie? Yeah. Doesn't taste very good by itself, though. When you get the full pie, it tastes wonderful. When you bring the whole thing, it tastes wonderful. Beware of that. Beware of that creeping in, that kind of thing. Because, you know, Acts chapter 3. Remember Acts chapter 2. God shows up. People get filled with the Spirit. 3,000 people get saved. Acts chapter 3, what happens? You've got a group of people who take this guy and lay him before Gate Beautiful, right? They lay him before that because he begs alms and that's the normal. I, it's so weird. Why do we do that? We do that even in this normal, in our regular Christianity, we do that. We take people to church in hopes that they're going to get something out of it instead of pe- being like Peter that walks up there and says, I don't have what they're going to give you, but what I do have, I can give you. Get up off your feet. Start walking. See what I'm saying? That's social justice to its fullest. It's the mercy of God is what it is. And mercy of God and justice, they go together. Justice without mercy is, is nothing. Justice, the, the justice of God is all wrapped up inside of mercy. I'll just let that one settle in. That was good, but I'll let that one settle in for you. They reason among themselves, verse 16, saying, it's because we have no bread. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, why do you reason because you have no bread? Then look what he says. Do you not, do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? It's the hardened heart that can't receive what the spirit of truth is bringing. bringing. It's the heart that's soft that says, oh, I get it. But really, I don't get it. But I get it. But I don't get it. But I get it. Why? Because it goes beyond our understanding, right? I get it, but I don't get it. (laughs) Hello. You, You ever had that kind of connection with the father where you just go, I get it, but I don't get it. I get it, but I don't get it. Something changed. I've used this example before, and, it's, and I think it's worth repeating. It's, it's, it's when Jesus begins to speak of eating his body, and he introduces cannibalism into the new discipleship movement. Yeah. Eat my body, drink my blood, and if you don't do this, you can't have any part of me. And everybody goes, that's a little difficult. I'm out of here. And they bail. Why? The offended, hardened heart can't receive it. But Peter got it, but he got it with that sense of, I don't get it, but yet I get it. I don't get it, but yet I get it. Because Jesus turns and asks him, were you going to leave too? And his response is, where am I going to go? All I know is whenever you talk, something happens inside of me. And it doesn't make sense, but it feels good. 
Oh, God, that we could move beyond our ability to take things in through our intellect. The gospel is not known by its argument. It's not known by its apologetics. Those things are wonderful. They're absolutely wonderful. But man, I'm telling you, if you can argue somebody into Christianity, somebody's going to come along with a better argument and take them right out of it. Why? Because there's no connection there. There's no relationship in it. There's no revelation of the Father heart of God, which is what we need, and I believe what he's wanting to give us. If, if we don't get it, we reduce ourselves to coming together weekly, and we just have another great time together, and it's like, man, are we really catching what he's wanting to give us? Because I do believe this at my core. I believe this, that the church, the church... You and me, the church, we get to make known this manifold wisdom of God. We get to do it. It's been put in our care. Jesus did it. Says all authority's been given to me. Now I'm giving it to you. Now you go do it. Tag, you're it. You go. There's a fatalistic type of Christianity that just hopes and wishes for one day when the end comes and Jesus returns. I grew up in the South. And it was filled with these gospel quartets. Not a big fan. Great vocalist, but not a big fan of that kind of stuff. It's okay if you are. I'm just offending you right now. Deal with it. I just, the problem is, not so much about the style. It has to do with the content of it. A lot of that gospel singing stuff has to do with, I'm waiting for that train to glory. That train to glory. Come and get me. Come and pick me up. And take me to glory. And I'm like, man, that's just awful. So Jesus is no longer your savior. Death is. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun, doesn't it? Is your heart still hardened? Listen to this. Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? There's an intentional breakdown of this. What is the best form of perception that you have? Seeing, right? People don't say, if I could touch it, I'll believe it. They say, if I could see it, I'll believe it, right? Why? Because it's the most important form of perception. If I see it, I can believe it. Seeing is such an incredible part. But he says, having eyes, do you not see? Okay, okay, wait a minute. So you don't see. Having ears, can you not hear? No, still no? Okay, wait a minute. Can you not remember? In other words, I'm walking you through this progression. Do you not see it right now? Do you not see what's going on when I say to you, beware of the leaven of Herod and the leaven of the Pharisees? You don't see that? Okay, well, wait a minute. Can you hear it? No, you still can't hear it? Wait a minute. Can you remember? What did I do? How many basketfuls did I take up? You see this progression he's walking them through because they've, they've gone from this kind of thinking, which is not renewed mind, it's natural, have reduced themselves down to natural saying, we don't have any bread. When he's not talking about bread at all. And so he takes them through this process. Having eyes, do you not see? No, you still don't see, do you? Okay. Having ears, do you not hear? Do you not even hear? Can you even just, if you close your eyes for a minute, can you hear what I'm saying? No, you still can't. Okay. Back to car up. How many basket? How many basketfuls did I take up? Come on, guys, help me out. How many basketfuls did I take up? With the 5,000. Okay, with the 4,000. How many basketfuls did we take up? Okay. Be careful. Look over at this, and let me throw this to you real quick. In uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 18. Therefore, this is the parable of revealed light. Let me go to verse 16. I'm going to back up and give you that. No one which is, who is lit 
when he has lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed, but sets it on a lampstand. That seems to make sense, right? That those who enter may see the light. For nothing in secret shall not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. Therefore, listen to this, take heed how you hear. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and whoever does not have, even what he seems to have will be taken from him. That doesn't sound like very fair, does it? Remember, the kingdom doesn't work like this kingdom here. The kingdom of heaven does not work like the kingdom here. In the kingdom here, we try to bring in the kingdom of heaven into the kingdom here on this earth, and we say, oh, let me, let me learn a little bit about Jesus. So we come to places, we go to conferences, we sit and we listen, we, we attach more information into our heads and never really hear him. How do I know that? Because we have got conference after conference after conference after conference that we can go to, and I'm not seeing it multiplied to the same rate that we are seeing the conferences. Does this make sense? I see us going to them, but then we walk out of them, and it's like, well, where is it? Where is it? You just got something there. What we did was we took some more knowledge, we tucked it into our little bag, and we go, I'm growing as a disciple. No, we're not. I'm sorry. (laughs) Sorry, that's one of the biggest mistakes we make. We are educated way beyond our obedience. Way, way beyond our obedience. We've got all kinds of information. He's not asking you what you know. He's going, be careful how you hear. Be careful how you hear these things because if you think you've got something, it's going to get taken away from you. Let me read that again. Take heed how you hear, for whoever has, to him more will be given. And whoever does not have, what is the have? The have is that place of, I got it, but I don't understand. But I got it, but I don't understand. It's that place of going, Jesus, whenever you speak, something comes alive in me. And it transforms the way I think. It transforms the way I look. I can't even really explain it, but something happened right there. That's the one who hears. To whoever has, him will be more given. And whoever does not have, even what he seems to have, will be taken from him. We as a church, we're not designed to live in garages. Wouldn't that be weird to build a nice little house with a garage and stuff like that and then live in your garage? We're not designed to live in garages. Did you find a picture of that thing? Put this picture up here. I want to show you something. I am like, I come from a family of pilots. I was the first one in a couple of generations that did not get their pilot's license. But I love airplanes. We've got a couple of pilots in here. I love airplanes. Anybody know what that thing is? Yeah, it's our 71 Blackbird, right? It was a spy plane, essentially. It's kind of retired now. It's cool. It is so cool. I have a um, a friend of mine in Foursquare Church who was a uh, Marine pilot for a number of years. And... He always wanted to see one of these things up close. He finally got a chance to see one up close. Now, this was after it became declassified because this was like the top spy plane. That thing would fly so high, so fast. It was unlike anything we'd ever seen. And even to this date, I don't even think anything flies like that, best that I know of. Nothing, nothing flies like this thing. And that thing was put out in the 60s. He got to see one of those sitting in a hangar. And he walked up to it and he started looking at it and he's inspecting it and he's getting real close to it. And as he's looking at it, he's finding oil leaking out of it. 
And he's thinking, what is wrong with this thing? So he starts to ask the guy, what's wrong with that thing? He goes, oh, nothing. He goes, that thing's not made to sit in a hangar. He goes, it leaks when it's in the hangar. The reason why it leaks is because all the parts aren't together. Everything, all the joints are real loose and they're not tight. That thing's made to fly so high and so fast it heats up. It gets incredibly hot on the outside of the skin, just like the space shuttle does, because when it's entering, it's that kind of height and, and speed that it's flying at. And when it gets that high and it gets moving like it's supposed to, all those joints come together and they tighten up and it no longer leaks. And when he told me that story, I thought, man, that is just like Christianity. That is just like what discipleship looks like. We think we can come sit in a hangar and fill ourselves full of fuel, and all we do is leak. Why? Because we're not designed to live like that. We're designed to live as people of incredible risk and faith. Faith is not saying, when you say, I have faith, that doesn't mean you have a set of beliefs or, or a, a mental assent to some creeds. It means nothing about that. When you say, I have faith, that's what James talks about. You say you have faith? All righty then. I'll show you my faith by my works. In other words, he doesn't, he's not bringing works into the equation. He's saying, I'm saying I have so much faith that it's propelling me to do something. And all I have to do is look behind me and go, yeah, there's faith. You know you have faith when you're moving and you can look behind you and say, yep, there's something there. There's something there. I'm not trying to work it out. It just happened. Does this make sense? We're designed to live like this. When we come in and we just get full of the word and we listen to the podcast and teachings and go to conferences, guys, those are wonderful. Don't hear me wrong. Please don't hear me wrong. They're wonderful. But at what point does the body of Christ take what we've got and say, I'm going to risk it? This plane leaks so bad, they can't even fuel it on the runway. They put enough fuel in it to get it into the air. And then they fuel it in the air. And then it takes off and it does its thing. Flies in extended periods of time. Because that's really all it is. is two giant engines and a gas tank. And one little guy sitting on top of it. <laughs> yeah. That's what we're made for. That's what, that's what this life is supposed to look like. How does it manifest itself? Well, it manifests itself like this. That when we see people that need healing, we don't start begging God. God, would you heal them? No, you just speak to it and you say, be healed. Be healed in Jesus' name. What happens if they don't get healed? Well, you do it again. Well, what happens if they don't get healed? You do it again. What if I try to raise somebody from the dead and they don't come back? You do it again. There's only one option. I love it because it's so simple. It's don't quit. Don't quit. What happens? Would you do that? If, let's just say this for a minute. Let me put it into a different context. Let's just say you have a family member. You've been praying for salvation. And you pray for them for salvation and they don't get saved at the next meeting you take them to. What do you do? Do you quit? You keep praying, right? Well, why would we not do that with healing? Why would we not do that with raising from the dead? Why would we not do that with casting out demons? We seem to think that somehow salvation's like, yeah, well, you pray for them, and yeah, we just keep praying for them. But with this, why do we do that? Why do we check out on that? I think it's because it has some kind of manifestation in the natural that we're looking for. And if we can't find it, then we think that God's changed his mind or it doesn't work like that anymore. I read a couple of articles recently on the whole cessationalist viewpoint. You guys know what that is? Cessationalism. Cessationalism says, for those of you who don't know, it's, cessationalism is the, uh, the office of the apostle and the prophet. They don't exist anymore, and the gifts don't, don't exist anymore. They ceased. And there's, there's, they use biblical 
out of context, but the use, you know, the biggest question I have with all of that is I'm like, anytime somebody says God doesn't move like that and God doesn't heal, God doesn't do that, it's like, okay, dude, you said it, not me. Burden of proof's on you. Show me where you're getting that business. I can't see anywhere where it got rescinded. Anywhere. And I can't use the argument that we just don't see it anymore. That's a, that's a fallacious argument. I just don't see it anymore. Remember Nicodemus going to Jesus? I'm going to be done here in a minute. Nicodemus, he goes to Jesus. And he's moved. He's a religious dude. And he's moved by what he's seeing coming from Jesus. And Jesus gives him this nebulous response. Well, the spirit blows where it wishes. It does what it's supposed to do. And you have to be born again. Well, what do you mean born again? I have to go back into my mother's womb again? You see what's happening is reducing something that's coming from the, fa- the heart of the Father released in a revelation down to, I need to make sense of this in the natural. I have to go back and be born again? No, you're not getting it, are you? You're not getting it. Oh, Jesus, we just want more. We just want more, Lord. We're not satisfied with the old. We're not satisfied with even the wonderful things that you've done, Lord. It's not a matter of ingratitude, Lord. It's a matter of hungry hearts that just say there's got to be something better than this even. I want the supernatural revelation of the heart of the Father to be released on us to such a degree that we can't even, we don't even look normal anymore. As a matter of fact, the more that I look into this, the more that I realize that the Spirit of God manifesting in natural people begins to transform their bodies. Hello. If Jesus is our model, would we all agree on that? Jesus is our model. Uh, Remember what happened to him on the Mount of Transfiguration? Dude started to glow. Well, Andrew, that was for Jesus. It's not for us. Well, I don't, I don't know. I'm aiming for it. Okay, now I'm weirding people out. I'm aiming for it. That's right. That's right. Let your so, light so shine before men, right? Doesn't say reflect. He's not the sun and we're little moons. We're in him. We're in him. I know that messes with me too. It does. I'm always trying to figure that one out. How can that possibly be when I know myself pretty well on the inside and I look at things and go, there's no way that looks like Jesus, but yet at the same time, I'm in him. It's a messed up thing. Ephesians 2, right? I'm seated with him in heavenly places. What? But I get it, but I don't get it. But I get it, but I don't get it. I just want more. Everybody stand up with me here. Oh, man, I feel like I need a good laugh. Oh, Jesus. He's got a sense of humor. He's fun, isn't he? Oh, man, let's stop making him serious, too. He's like stoic. God, he's fun. I have something funny that Jesus did. Yeah. Um, I'm taking the bus because I don't have a vehicle right now. And Thursday nights I finish at 10. And the school pays Castleberry Police to stay on the grounds till basically till we're all gone. So I'm walking to catch my bus and I'm just like starting to talk to the Lord. And the police officer comes really quick. And uh, she puts down her window. And it's never been a, been a female. 
email once in a year. Um, and she says, well, you came out of nowhere. And I said, well, you kind of scared me too anyway. So she ended up giving me a ride home. And it was something that was on my heart. I needed to ask the police about something. And the Lord put her there, and there's never been a female since. Mm -hmm. um, so I could, because I would never get in a, a cruiser with a male police officer. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was, I was like, wow, Jesus, that's kind of really weird, but it's kind of neat. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. That is very cool. But see, that's the kind of thing. Thank you for sharing that, because that's the kind of thing. It's like that could be coincidence, or that could be divine appointment. And how are you going to look at it? How, do you see it? Yeah. Do you see it? Yeah. Or can you hear it? Have you ever heard of anything like that happening before that you can remember? Let's move to a place where we see, where we hear clearly. So when, so when something shows up, it's like, you know, I don't know. I, somebody could sing Rockabye Baby under the anointing of the Spirit, and I would hear something completely different. It's kind of like that when he does things. You, something will happen, and our natural mind kind of gets like, what the heck was that all about? Instead of going, ooh, wait a minute. There's something deeper in that. I want to be like that. I want to see a church like that. We're not designed to do that on our own, right? And, and just so you know, the days where it's been relegated to the pastor and the apostle and the prophet and the evangelist, that's gone. That thinking is gone. It doesn't exist like that. Read your Bible. Ephesians 4, the whole gift mix of the Son being given to the people on this planet is so that they can equip the saints for the work of ministry. That's my job. It's not my job to do. So don't bring your friends in here and hope they're going to hear a message and get saved. That is not my job. It's not my job. I'm not saying don't bring them. Bring them because I love people. And it'll be fun. And it'll be awesome. But that's not my job. That's your job. So, all right, hold your hands out with me because I like to do this. It just shows some kind of physical... Uh, I'm expecting the glory of heaven to drop into my hands. I'm expecting it. Why? Because I have faith like a child that says, you offer these things to us. You offer these wonderful things to us. Lord, not for our own glory. It's not about that at all. Let's get over that stuff, Lord. Let's just say, for you to be made wonderfully known and for yet another facet of your Father heart to be revealed. And Lord, I'm even saying that today. That this is what we're asking for as a family here, Lord. We're asking for the Father heart to be revealed. I'm asking for the Father's heart to be revealed at a deeper, deeper level. Deeper level. Lord, I want more. I want more. All you youth, get up here real quick. All of you youth kids, get up here really, really quick. Yeah, just line up right here on the front. One, Kale, Andy, and Danielle, you come up here too. This is good. All right, I want everybody just to extend your hands this way. Here's what we're doing right now. We're going to impart something right here because a lot of us older ones, we have seen some things, heard some things, done some things, right, that have been wonderful in God, right? Would you raise your hand if you've seen wonderful things in the Lord? Okay, what you're about to do is you're about to impart onto them something deeper because you guys... Right here, you live in a sphere that we don't live in, okay? You go to schools that we don't go to. Thank God. <laughs> Just learn this, kids. It's the best line in the Bible. It came to pass. So we're just going to, right now, we're just going to extend our hands to him, and we're going to say, Lord, right now, I pray you put the glory of heaven on this troop 
Lord, this, this band, this army right here, Lord, that comes and it brings the Father's heart revealed to every school that they go into, every place that they go into, Lord. Let it come out of them like it's never come out before. You guys just had some wonderful experiences with the Lord, right? You know, it never stays right there. If it stays there, it's not his fault. There's no withholding on his part. So I'm just speaking right now, the grace, I speak wisdom. The spirit of God to be all over you, just even right now, kids, say, spirit of God, fill me. Fill me. Overflow me. Catch me on fire. Why not just start burning? Just become fire. Become fire. You asked for it, you sang for it, right? Okay, Lord, put that on him so that the kingdom of God gets revealed in their sphere. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everybody say amen to that. Wonderful. Good, 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 good. All right, you guys can go. That's so great. That's so great. We're going to do this one a little bit different. Anybody here in the business realm? Put your hand up. All right, everybody look around. See whose hands are up here. Okay, now, we've got a lot on this side. We're, we're really weighty on this side over here on business stuff. Is this our artistic side over here? How many over here are more in the artistic realm? Okay, yeah, yeah. That's how it usually works. All right, business realm, people, keep your hands up. All right, and everybody else, just extend your hand towards those who have their hands up and just begin to prophesy over them that with great risk and great faith, they are going to bring the kingdom of God with great risk, with great faith, that it moves beyond your natural, moves beyond what you know. That it, I pray that it even go into a place that it bypasses your, um, your intellect. I know that sounds bad, but it needs to bypass your intellect at some level because then once you see it, bypass the intellect and you get it, you'll catch it. So move beyond that, beyond that. All this stuff, every business now, it gets infected and injected with the kingdom of God. Every one of them. Because this city, this whole, this whole region is going to change. And I'm declaring it in the name of Jesus. It is going to change. Superstition will be gone. Religion will be gone. What will manifest itself is the fullness of the Father heart of God revealed over and over and over again in his multifaceted way. Over and over again. And I declare it. It gets released in Jesus' name. Is anybody here in education? Education? Two? Any kind, any kind, any kind of education where you educate at some level. Okay, all right, everybody now, put your hands on them. It's getting released into the educational sphere. It's moving into the educational sphere. It, whether it be homeschool, whether it be any type of school, that the education does not get dumbed down to a bunch of facts and figures, but the kingdom of God is brought with it. The revelation, even for you, Lori, the revelation of the Father himself gets revealed in your talking about animals, right? That's what you do, right? right. It gets revealed that the nature and character of God would get revealed when you're talking about the nuances and the complexities of how, of how veterinary, veterinary medicine works. It gets released, and it's not just information. It's knowledge of the Holy One. Knowledge of the Holy One. Anybody here in the medical field? Get your hand up. We got one? Only one? Oh, you are going to get it, girl. Put your hands on her. She's in the medical field. And if anybody else, put your hands on them. Extend your hands that way. And we're saying right now it's released into the medical arena. Right now, it just released. The kingdom of God. A whole new revelation of the kingdom of God getting released into the medical field. 
It only takes one, right? God never said, I'm looking for this group of people. He said, give me one man. Give me one. Just give me one. Lord, I pray you anoint her lips for it. To speak, Lord God, beyond her understanding that she would speak and release into the medical field the revelation of the fullness of God. The full counsel of God being released. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's wonderful. Thank you. Anybody here in government? In the government field at all? No? <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank God. <laughs> yeah, oh, it needs it. It absolutely needs it. But again, let's don't get confused because the kingdom of God, we don't want to slip into that leaven of Herod and Pharisees of Herod because remember, Herod is a political spirit. And, that doesn't, and what we do when we slip into the leaven of Herod is we start saying we need to get the right people in office. Stop that. Don't go there. I want to put the right people in office, but be very careful. Be very careful with that. That's not how the kingdom gets released, by putting it off on somebody else. Let's put the other person in office. The kingdom gets released when the church reveals it. And politics follows culture. Culture does not follow politics. Hello. Politics follows culture. So if you want to change politics, we change the culture. Okay, so let's don't slip into the leaven of Herod. So, government, were you in government? My son ran for commissioner of Longwood. Okay. Okay, good. We need that in Longwood. Okay. All right, so let's right now just begin to release the kingdom of God into the political climate. Okay? Just release it right now. Just begin to say, Lord, we're releasing it. Risk and faith into anybody that we have connection with, any sphere. I've got a meeting coming up with someone in politics here in the city. So I'm going to take it. You can put your, push your hands towards me and, and just say, release the kingdom of God. I want the fullness of it. Lord, I want to see it. I want to see it change, Lord. It's going to begin, and it will happen in this culture. We're going to see it, we're going to see it change. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Is there any other sphere that I'm missing? We got medical we got government, we got education. Entertainment and arts, yes, absolutely. Again, yeah, creativity, oh, man. Yeah, 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 put your hands up if that's who you are. If, even if you're not in business of it, but that's who you are, you're a creative person. You're a creative person that does things. All right, yeah, there's all kinds of things that are getting released here. Oh, Jermaine, God's gonna whack you, man. Oh my gosh, yeah. I don't know why that one felt so good, but that felt good. All right, just put your hands on them. Now start to say, release it, Lord. Release it, Lord. It's beyond, it's beyond just expectation of them to do something creative, Lord. We're releasing the kingdom of God. I pray for faith to rise up, to risk things beyond what you've ever risked before. The words are going to start coming out of your mouth where you thought, oh, I'm not allowed to speak those things. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. If you don't, believe, don't ever give in to the fear, all you creative people, don't ever give in to the fear that you cannot release something because of a certain culture. Or because, uh, release it. Release it. Think of Acts chapter 4. Whether it seems right to you or to anyone else, all I can do is I can speak of the kingdom of God because this is what I know. It gets released in, in creative, creative fields right now, Lord, and we're even declaring it over the city. All these things that we're speaking of, Lord, that go beyond this building right here, we're declaring it. 
These pillars of society are going to get infected with the kingdom of God. Not because we're so smart, but because you're so wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. Who else are we missing? Is there anything else? Okay, yeah, let's, yeah, we can release it there. All those ministries outside of this church. And wait a minute, let me ask this question real quick. How many people in here are in full-time ministry? Every hand in the room better go up. Every hand in the room. Okay, this will be the last one we're going to do. Put your hand in the air. Wave it like you just don't care. Put, put the other hand on your head. And say, God, get me. Get me with a revelation of your father heart. And I will risk it. I will be a person of faith that releases the kingdom. Go beyond my natural mind here. <laughs> you know you believe with your heart, not your head. All right, so put your hand on your heart. Okay. All right, Lord, put it right there. Put that revelation down in my heart. Lord, the, the word, you, incarnate, taking up residence to a degree in my heart so much that everything else changes. My language changes. My perception changes. The way I hear people changes. The way I hear you changes. The way I sing changes. The way I speak changes. The way I move changes. Thank you, God. And Lord, deposit an overabundance of your goodness to overflowing. You need more of his goodness in you? Yeah, yeah I do. I need to know that. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, is he good? He's good. Come on, he's good, right? 